1: Hello, I'm Billy Munger. And hello, I am Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to Lift the Lid. This is our Monaco preview, Johnny. So, yes. big word, Monaco. You know, the glitz and the glow of F1. Should we get into what's coming up this weekend? Yes. Where do you want to start, <laughs> mate? Uh, without my phone sort of turned on. <laughs> <laughs> We are a professional podcast, as you can tell. There you go. That's off now. Should we start off the back of uh, Imola, maybe? Because obviously, yes. as Swimming much as lessons. we're leading into Monaco now, we're leading into Monaco yep. without having had a Grand Prix last weekend. Because oh. unfortunately, a lot of uh, flooding and you know, sort of damage to the area around yeah. Imola meant that they couldn't hold
2: the race. No, but it was the right call, wasn't it? For yeah, 100%. It, From an F1 point of view, because they could have been sort of an error no, we're still going to go ahead because we're F1, but because of everything that was going on around them, people getting picked up from helicopters, uh, taken out of their houses and stuff like that, I think, I thought it was good that they did it early as yeah. well. It, it could have well sort of come down, the the, the water level and everything and carried on, but I think with the the services that were, very very busy and probably still are very busy i thought it was a it was a good thing it's a sad thing obviously to happen uh for the people around that area yeah
1: of course we'd rather have had the grand prix
2: yeah disappointed we didn't have a race of course but there were more important things uh going on at the time weren't there yeah
1: 100 percent. i mean yeah our thoughts go out to everyone in Emma that's been affected yeah indeed around uh this whole situation and hopefully they can get back to uh hosting grand prix very soon do you think it will be maybe rescheduled into the calendar or do you think that one's going to be a lost cause do you think it's going to be it's because it's a busy schedule already isn't it yeah and i th- i think sort of the latter part of the season is always where everybody starts to get a little bit
2: sort of um worn down by yeah. the, length of the season anyway so i think to sort of throw another one in squeeze another one in, probably isn't the the best scenario There will probably be Drivers and teams That sort of think Well we need to get Some points back So we'd be happy If we did have another Yeah and, the race But I think overall I think we take Everybody's sort of
1: You know uh, Health into, into Consideration It's probably Yeah we just carry on With what, we, what we've what we got Yeah that makes sense And Monaco mate Coming up this weekend You're out yes. there I'm out there So it's going to be nice To be back out At a Grand Prix Isn't it Yeah it's, it's good And again Monaco I know a lot of people Sort of go oh, Monaco damn race always very very
2: boring but it's the whole build up to the to the race weekend that makes it so special you know with all the all the boats that turn in with all the the fans not not just european fans fans from around the world that turn yeah. up because of the you know the, the special history that that monaco has and the you know a lot of the drivers are, are living there anyway but the race track is is a is a is a great challenge for the drivers so overall i like what it is, I know the teams hate it because logistically it is a big pain in the bottom. Yeah, um, because they sort of have to get everything in the trucks, then have to leave, and they're parked about sort of six kilometers uh, outside uh, the boundaries of Monaco in France. But they've done it for so many years, haven't they, Billy? That it's not really a problem because it's such a slick
1: setup that they they do for the track. But more importantly,
2: it's an easy setup for the teams as well.
1: Yeah, it's been a staple in the calendar for plenty of years mate plenty of years obviously you lived there you know yes time so how was it like from your perspective when you were racing there whilst living there uh well it took about three minutes
2: uh to get from uh, my door to uh to the paddock so that was a very a very positive thing but it was nice because the whole build-up as i said from when you see the first part of the barrier you know a couple of months before the race starts sort of starts to come Uh, into play it what what it changes uh, is the traffic situation it turns into a bit of a mare because they still block off parts of parts of uh, the road there and of course my girls were going to school so there was always a longer route to get into it and then when you try to get out that had changed at the same time but it sort of just it moved and shifted as time went by and it effectively all always went back to normal but it was it was nice you know I had the family there but that was a little bit more difficult sort of the wrong word but because it's not family orientated as such you know there's not much there for the kids to do it was we had to always go outside either go to italy or to france so it was okay uh the wife sort of i think she accepted it i think she never sort of enjoyed it from from that from that point of view so but of course it it has its benefits of course but it has the negative side as well so you know i i wasn't I wasn't sort of going, wow, I want to stay here for the rest of my lifetime thing. But I know there are drivers that thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy the whole, whole um, sort of Monaco experience. But um, yeah, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad the girls did it. I'm glad the girls sort of learned another language as well, which was a was a was something that we looked into as well. And it was a good experience for them living in a in another country, in another culture, as in in mean, Monaco itself. But because with all the other children in the school from other
1: cultures as well so it was a nice it was a nice experience for them what is the culture like in in monaco like really? is there a big because of how big the grand prix is is there everyone there's a racing fan that lives in monaco did you get that vibe that impression from living there
2: weirdly I'm not knowing in monaco and the Gas. no because I, I think they've sort of over the years they've got used to having formula one drivers there and tennis players there yeah athletes cyclists uh, the list goes on, but it was it was quite easy. You never got bothered, and that I think everybody enjoyed because you would think because everybody was there and literally sort of a kilometre square, which is almost the size of Monaco, you would just get pestered every second and every step that you did, especially in the summertime when everybody was coming in to have a have a look around. But uh, it didn't happen that way, so it was quite easy for everybody to sort of. Go out, maybe have a coffee, and maybe have a little bit of lunch or, or dinner or whatever it may be during the week or during the weekend. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a sort of an easier life from that point of view. It's probably worse if you live in London. You probably yeah. get more bothered, I think, when you're living living in London. So it was nice from that point of view. Your privacy was respected.
1: Did you ever have any like do a bit of celeb spotting yourself, mate, when you're out and out and about? Do you see any like super big names? Any superstars? I'm, super not, I'm not sad. Things, really? I'm not sad like that. <laughs> i don't go out there spotting and waiting
2: at someone's door trying but did to you get to into rock?
1: anyone particularly famous in your time in monaco were you like wow okay that's pretty impressive but like you say not bothered out there so they could just be walking the streets freely but
2: to be honest i do tell you what was funny with that with everybody who was there you never really bumped into anybody even the drivers that were there i know there was only sort of 20 of us all, or a little bit less than that maybe but about 20 of us you never really bumped into each other even when we're all living within that sort of um, kilometer square, as I really? said, so so, r- not really. No, Maybe in a restaurant. I, think I saw Roger Moore one Shirley Bassey many many years ago, for example. Uh, Federer was in a in a restaurant as well. Um, some of the cyclists uh, were there as
1: well. Uh, one particularly American. So yeah but it wasn't very often. Okay, interesting, interesting. And what about, we've kind of like spoke a little bit there about, you know, when you lived there, what it was like to live there. But yeah. what was the event like, we you know, actual race week vibes that like we've got going on now or about to start up anyway, from a driver's point of view? Was it hectic as a driver being in the Monaco paddocks you now you spoke a little bit how it's easy to get into the paddocks, but did you feel a different kind of pressure at Monaco? What was that whole situation like building up yeah. into the race week? Well, well, as you know, you've been there. You know what it's like.
2: So what a stupid question that was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, 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 well, that's what we do, Johnny. We do stupid <laughs> questions. Yes, <laughs> there, is, there is that one. You do those very well. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's quite a restricted little part of that port that we sort of are in isn't it we, we you know we don't get outside very often uh, to sort of see everything else because it shuts down at what six six o'clock in the morning the actual the track. so you can't sort of wander onto the track to get to the paddock for example because we turn up obviously a little bit a little bit later but the road system actually around it as well becomes a bit a little bit more difficult and the and the local police don't help matters, I have to say. Sorry, but they don't, they don't help matters because there's a the system that's normally set up, let's say on a Wednesday uh, or a Tuesday, and then as soon as the track is starting to be used, the system that was set up suddenly disappears. And I always remember when I was, my wife had taken the girls to school. She was trying to get back to Fonvia, which is where, where we had the apartment. And she'd been using the same route every day. The police had said, yes, go down here. And you went down a tunnel and you ended up in Formier. And suddenly they said, no, 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 you have to go round. If you go down there, turn right and then right again. And basically she did that and came back to exactly the same point to the oh, same police. Oh, God. And she couldn't get down to Formier. live said, I, we live here. Ah, oh, yeah, but we can't. We can't let you here. And it was all quite very stern, the way they sort of spoke to you. So it wasn't sort of uh, very kind in many respects or helpful I should Dude. say so. Even that, for you know, for my wife here and people living there, and a lot of people do leave over the Grand weekend as well because of that sort of, the, you know, of it, yeah. the sort of issues that it sort of causes over over the weekend. But I'll, I'll, I'll probably put it back to you,
1: Billy. You've been there. What do you What do you think of the place when you when you first turned up? Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, Johnny, I, I I don't know. Yeah, I've not been there during a Grand Prix week, which is why I asked that question. I've been to Monaco before, but yeah. I've been there in the winter time. So when it was, you know, quiet, where there was, it was really surreal, honestly, because you got to look, like I say, you can go around the track. So me and my sister went and wandered a lap of the track, and went that's how we sort of saw Monaco as such. Yeah, you and know, the landmarks, right. you know, the square yeah. or everything was just from. You know, it was soon after my accident. I was in my wheelchair, and we just wandered around the track, and and that was our kind of little bit of experience of Monaco. We we're only there for a couple of days. I tell you what, for everybody who's
2: listening to lift the lid, I'm, I'm we're going to go back to this next week because yeah. you haven't seen nothing yet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is why I'm asking <laughs> it's you be stupid, stupid questions. Very good. It was a very stupid question. <laughs> Damn you! Again, <laughs> okay, you've seen it as a, as I always class it in sort of the in the in the off in the off season as yeah. a friend it's a monogas fishing village yeah so you're going to see a very very uh, different part of it but i think you'll you'll enjoy what you see because and i know there's a lot of fans who've probably been been there as well and it, it has got a good vibe i have to say a very very good vibe and the whole build up as i said before was going to be good so i think you're you're going to enjoy that so yeah we'll talk about that next week to see what you actually felt Oh, felt, felt the whole thing yeah i'm looking forward yes.
1: to uh, reflecting on what the glitz and the glam and the, the carnage that unfolds at Monaco is all about <laughs> on and off the track on and off the track <laughs> let's talk about it from our point of views from a driver's point of view obviously you've driven yeah. it yourself i've driven other street circuits what were the, the challenges for you when you rocked up to Monaco? you know you're going out for the first practice session where were the areas of the circuit that from a driver's point of view, you found challenging, or you found that you had to build it okay. confidence-wise through the weekend. What were the do's and don'ts of of driving yes. up in Monaco?
2: So if I go back to my first time,
1: yeah, no simulators, no,
2: sim- no um, ability to learn any part of the track. So I did, actually my first time there was Formula Three. Mm-hmm. The only way of learning the track was having a having a, having a map, of yeah. course, and then trying to sort of visualize it. Before he got there, actually, sort of, you know, to one, turn
1: two, etc. What was uh, what year was, was this, mate? What what year? Uh, uh, Eighteen eighty-seven. <laughs> All right,
2: that sounds, that's a it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. When I was racing for for Eddie Jordan, so we we walked around the circuit. I can't remember what it was. It was probably on the on the Tuesday. I think it must have been well Wednesday, and
1: in the evening, and it was just a chocolate block and covered with cars. Yeah. I had the same experience walking around Poe, which is a street so There you go. Yes. Doing the same track walk on a little scooter and trying to avoid all the oncoming cars because it was open road. So it, it, yeah. that was the probably the weirdest track walk I've ever had to do before in terms of yeah. to avoid traffic. Normally, you turn up to a racetrack and you've got it all to yourself and you can see every little minute detail but that doesn't work at places like Monaco does it
2: no 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 not at all um so because of that it was much harder to learn it so anyway so we got onto the track and then you sort of get around it I visualized it as much as I could back at the hotel I spent hours eyes closed just trying to remember going to the back swimming pool Rascas, and all that and of course the rest of the circuit it wasn't bad, actually, when I got into the car. So that's a Formula 3, mm-hmm. about 150 horsepower than we had back in those, back in those days. And so then we jump into a Formula 1 car in 1989. Yeah. Uh, a different world came in front of my eyes because it was madness. Absolute <laughs> madness. Because I well, remember going through Turn 1 and then going up the hill. And, of course, in a Formula 3, it sort of stuttered and sort of staggered its way sort of to the top of the hill before we go into Casino Square. But of course, a 4-in-1 car has no sort of um, way of being a little bit sort of, I'm running out a path going up this hill. Yeah. Just fires it. up that hill. And it was just the speed. I always remember the bikes. The barriers are probably about uh, three or four sort of uh, barriers piled up on each other. So you're below the barrier line, of course. Mm-hmm. It was just the speed. Everything went past going up there. So the first impression is actually going out the pit and then up the hill towards the casino square. That's where it's mind-bogglingly fast everything just coming at you so quick it's just so quick so quick and as we discussed uh, the other day when we were at Williams about how wide they were you know there was that extra bit of white width at the front I remember and I remember I think on about the second lap I clipped the barrier because the barrier used to be on the on the apex of of turn one Uh, and i whacked that on the inside but then clattered me across and I just skimmed it on the left-hand side so within two laps it was already trying to try and beat you up <laughs> straight away. But after sort of time went by and as and as years went by and you went back, it always put a massive smile on my face. Because it was I never raced at Poe because I crashed uh in the race before and I never actually got to, to race in Poe in Formula City Thousand. But I by the look of it, it's probably a very, very, very similar thing. Because the barriers are just there, aren't they, at the side of the track. You know, yeah. right a couple of couple of little places bore it and monica is exactly the same but is it a challenge i don't know about you billy i i loved it i really love that challenge of trying to get as close as you could in my day with the sort of steel suspension that we had you could actually skim the barrier and the and the suspension would always absorb it Where now with the carbon fiber that's a bit more fragile and they can't do that so much but i was actually
1: going to ask you that when you said oh yeah i clipped the barrier on the inside and then it yeah. the little Clip on the barrier on the outside. I was going to say nowadays, if one of the drivers clips the inside barrier, normally the suspension folds in. And yes. Yeah, no, that's them out of the race or sort of thing. We've seen so many, there's so many times where the drivers, you know, just get that wrong. But also, there are a couple of barriers where the drivers actually almost clip the barrier on purpose, where the barrier has a bit of flex. I'm thinking of sort of like the sure. swimming pool chicane, for example. There's always a yep. bit of the barrier that just sticks out. And you watch the slow motion replays from around that corner and that you can see the flex in the barrier as the wheel brushes alongside it. Yeah, and I think when you see a car doing that, when they're literally skimming the barriers at a point where it flexes and gives way to open the corner up, that's, for me, what makes Monaco super exceptional from a driver's point of view. I yeah. just think the precision needed at a place like that is just another level.
2: Yeah, it, it happens in the race, but much less. But that is what you try and do in qualifying you try and use every millimetre of that track. And you, you bring that up about the driver sort of skimming the barrel. And I remember the place I always tried very hard to to do that was Tabac, on the exit of Tabac. Because there's sort of I two see. barriers that sort of midied, but they're not meet. They're slightly staggered. And there's always a little yeah. hole or gap between where the one barrier ends and the other one starts. And it was trying to just use that little pocket of space that was there but the main thing was trying to just clatter the end of that that barrier and when you got it right of course you used to the rim would hit the barrier and you'd hear this so where you hit it with the rim it then resonated down the barrier but it it kept up with you as you went past it and then that's when you knew nailed it I've used everything <laughs> and I that was good and there was a smile like I'm just looking at you with a smile on your face and there was there was a smile on my face when I did that and that was the that was the enjoyment factor of it because you knew you had done that perfectly didn't happen all the time obviously but it was it was nice to have that ability around the rest of the track to yeah you were challenged I think anyway and qualifying especially is the biggest challenge in Formula One I think to get that place right,
1: it is it is unbelievable when it all sort of clicks together. Did you ever have that feeling when you nailed a quality lap? You know, regardless of, you know, your position, obviously yeah. it, it depends on the level of how competitive your car was, but was there ever a, a particular year in Monaco where you kind of came out off the back of qualified and was like, there was nothing left in that, boys. I used every inch of the track. That That's all I could give it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think the... The, the biggest one I remember is when we actually it was going back a long way back to 92, actually Lotus, when we had the 102 and it wasn't very, very competitive. And me and Mika and were sort of struggling and we always call around about 15th or 20th, something like that, sometimes even further back. So it was sort of frustrating when it came into, into qualifying. But I remember, I think we ran, if I remember correctly, the first practice with the old car, Mika did for sure. And then we jumped into the 107, the new car that had sort of turned up. And the difference was just eye-opening for us. So we've been qualifying with a car that, as I said, was about 15th, 20th, maybe twenty, twenty, twenty-fourth, whatever it was. And the 107, we qualified 6th and 8th. Yeah, but it brought the smile to your face because the challenge had just, the level had gone up, but the grip had gone up, the precision had gone up, and it just turned the circuit from the Monaco I knew into a completely new Monaco. <laughs> so you were just sort of doing things differently because the car enabled you to do that
1: yeah i can imagine finding a few temps around a place like monaco feels like you're driving a completely different track yeah. compared to you know if you're on a normal racetrack if you're at silverstone and you find a couple of temps from doing a couple of things differently you can do that from lap yeah. to lap but monaco going and searching for those extra few temps yeah it's sometimes I imagine it feels like you're at a different racetrack and a it's way.
2: yeah it, it, it is and I and I was very lucky because I obviously I jumped from Lotus sort of uh, at the end of 94 and then when I was in the, the Benetton for 95 with Michael with Michael Schumacher and the Lotus it's very difficult to Spain, but it's amazing that the differences that you get from a car that's a mid-pack to the back to those very very quick beautifully crafted race cars like a Red Bull or a Mercedes or a Ferrari uh, or an Aston at the present time the jump across to the feeling, just to, to purely on the feeling, the is that you got in a in a Lotus, for example, it was all quite, I don't know, soft and airy. There was sort of there was sort of movement around the, the way the air actually broke around the car as well as you were shooting yourself down down the straights coming out of the the tunnel, for example. There was a completely different feel when you went into. I remember going into that Benetton. The whole car was alive. And the the feeling you got in the car, you were one with the car. And I said it was all, all a little bit sort of soft, and it's always you have like a blow-up. You had a blow-up sort of lino inside the cockpit. Just a little bit numb feeling from the car. A numb you feeling, got. yeah, very good. numb feeling, that's a good one. And when you got into a car like that that was just tingling, and ready it wanted to be driven it
1: wanted to be sort of pushed and it's hard. weird it's, it's so hard to describe, it's so like hard to describe saying, but i can friends. i completely resonate with what you're saying from a driver's point of view i've had that before yeah. where sometimes you don't have the feeling of what's going on underneath you and that makes it harder to find the limit because you don't know when you start pushing that little bit more whether you know yeah. what the car's going to sort of do but when the car's alive and dancing on a knife edge at least you can feel what's going on and you can make the right corrections and change what you need to change for your driving style to work around it yeah and i because i think things have changed from when i was racing in the
2: 90s to now because i think all the cars from front to back they're probably a lot closer they feel yeah very similar there's going to be a difference sure of course but there is a massive difference and when you jump into those cars they expect you to push them right to the very limit in in the in the slower cars it's easier to get to that limit the limits that much lower so when it then goes into another stratosphere as far as you know how far you can push it that's when the circuit again comes alive so it's alive anyway um but it but there's always a smile on your face at the end of it and even now when i haven't driven there since 2000 i still get a buzz because i know what it's like to drive around there then i hear them going around the circuit as well if it was sort of in the latter part of the Sort of the v10s and the v8s and of course now where we've gone into to to the hybrids that we've got now but there's still something that makes it special the race is always frustrating yes but it's nowhere near as fra- frustrating as it was when i raced there the first time i went there the, the circuit was like a crown so you sort of had the the very center i don't know quarter yeah This well it's our third a third of the very the, the, the circuit in the middle was the only place that you drove because left to right, it was always dropping away to the curbside.
1: I've got that exact same feeling for when I drove Goodwood. I did the hill climb yeah, at Goodwood. Same thing, you, and, and I did that in my Formula Three car. And explain what that's like. Goodwood, we're doing Goodwood. Yeah, the same. It was the same experience for me. So we did the hill climb. So I'm in a single seater on slick tyres, yeah. you know, doing the hill climb. So that you haven't got much temperature and stuff involved. But the main thing everyone kept telling me before I went up there for the first time is just you know be aware of the crown of the road because it will pull you yes. off the top of off the middle part of the the road where it's you know at its highest and it, you say the drop to the curbs either side that drop in sensation it, it's like the car gets sucked and pulled from the side of the road to the side yeah of
2: the it's it's not slow and gentle, is it? Yeah, it's it a quick really experience. Pull really you quickly. You've got it to be on high, high low.
1: Low. Yeah, you've got to you've be
2: on high yeah, Monaco used to be like that for that for I don't know probably ninety percent of that to be honest. But nowadays the guys are very lucky because it's perfectly flat like a racetrack. Yeah, the whole way around. So overtaking I think is probably a little bit easier because when you try to go off that ground. It tried Not. to spit you straight into the barrier, which I think you saw a lot of cars actually hit the barrier more back in sort of the 90s, I think, because the track was just a bit more unforgiving, I suppose, from that yeah. view. So, uh, But then, one of those things you sort of say, that you had a chance, if you were in a car that wasn't realistically able, in my day anyway, uh, to get into the point, which was sixth position, because of the track was probably that much, a little bit more trickier, there was always a chance. If you kept your concentration very high and made sure you didn't clatter the barriers, which unfortunately I did do a couple of times, I must admit, and uh, ended my race quite abruptly. Yeah, you had a chance of getting into the points, and it and it and it sort of did happen for many people over the years. Where now reliability for one is is so so good now, um, but the track is a little bit more forgiving. But as we see at that final chicane at the exit of the of the swimming pool, we've seen the qualifying laps where they've smacked the barrier as they go into walls and a
1: which in yeah there's like always still... cranes ready yes, in that part of the
2: circuit and that's great because mate? it's it's still something the drivers know there's a little bit of time that you always get and you just yes, as you know you just go over the, the overstep the mark and it bites you and it spits you straight yeah. back onto the circuit with a broken car
1: yeah uh, Johnny I absolutely love chatting to you about Monica yeah. I could see the smile on your face as you're describing the place this is going to be A mega Grand Prix weekend. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about this weekend qualifying the race and our predictions for the Monaco Grand Prix.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
1: So guys, qualifying, Johnny, you know, this weekend... Yeah. Yeah. With the set of drives we've got, the current situation in terms of where the cars are at, you know, wh- what do you think are going to be the struggles? Who do you think is going to stand out this weekend? You know, we've got an Aston Martin that have been in the mix this first few races of the season. Mercedes can show a glimpse of pace. Do you think this track will suit anyone in particular? Well, you've mentioned uh, a certain green car, Aston.
2: And from what I've sort of heard... The Aston is very good on low-speed corners.
1: Well, that right. says a lot that's about quite this a nice. That's
2: quite a nice thing to take.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, Bobico, that's for sure. So, it seems to have an ability to have a lot of sort of front-end bipertraction attraction at the same time. Bodico is obviously one of those tracks that you need a lot of that. Now, this is the exciting bit, I hope, for us, because this could give them that chance. This could give Fernando Alonso maybe a last chance. I think we're all chance. sat here
1: wanting that, yeah, aren't we? But we, I want, think the... we want to see someone challenge yes. the Red Bulls, and it does feel like this is the sort of place where Fernando could, you know, if he's got a car that finds a window, he could, you know, extract the maximum out of yeah, it. I feel like definitely. whatever Aston Martin are capable of doing, I feel like is going to be the guy this weekend to and really <clears> challenged
2: yeah of course and of course a balance is always an important thing we always seem to I think always seem to see that the, the Aston Martin seem to have a good balance when we're in a race situation so obviously it's going to be yeah. there in a in a qualifying situation but I hope it is that a qualifying traction though isn't it yes least.
1: well that that's the, the only issue we've got here yeah
2: no sure we know he's great off the line if he can get himself you never you never know you know legitimately get himself on that front row next to Max or Charles or whatever it may be and that's probably the next question. You know, who else is going to go for that pop? We know Charlie's damn quick when we go over there. We know Max is massively quick as
1: well. For me, Charles, you mentioned him. Yeah. It's his home race. We've seen him nail it in a qualifying session around there before. And this year, he's been the uh, the other guy other than the Red Bulls to really yeah. you know go out there and stick it on pole position and really challenge him in qualifying. So I think he's definitely someone along with someone like a fernando that i expect uh you know to be right up there this weekend yeah
2: the, the ferrari the good thing about the ferrari it does seem to be a car you can hustle and yeah. that seems to be something um that Charles has been able to sort of get out well it you know it work you know, was working like, in miami wasn't it but he, he yeah. just he went over the curve he used a bit too much it bounced it moved he spun he crashed and it, it sort of didn't happen but up until that point he was still looking down good as well. So that, for us, is great because I know he's going to be very hungry at home, to try and put that red car back on
1: the uh, back on that proposition. That win at Monaco for him is still elusive, isn't yeah. it? He still hasn't managed to win his home Grand Prix and, you know, with the state of where Ferrari are at on a race day in normal terms with the degradation they've yeah. got, normally at most tracks that would mean, okay, even if he's on pole, the red bull are going to come flying past, but one thing that, you know, Monaco does provide us with and being so difficult to overtake on is it is a, the race is normally dictated quite a lot by that qualifying session. So I think if you're Charles clerk this year, you're thinking, Okay, Red Bull have got the upper hand at ninety percent of the racetracks, yeah. but Monaco's one where if we do a good job on a Saturday and get pole, I think we can still win the Grand Prix on the Sunday. Yeah,
2: and again, one goal we've done well this year, of course, is Sergio. You know, Sergio. I think that yep. sort of you know, spring a lovely surprise in, in in Monaco as well as he sort of has done uh, this season. So so there are a few uh, people that definitely will be in the mix. I, th- I don't think it's going to be an, a very easy pole position. I think you're going to have to work mighty hard and get that perfect. Match oh that we'll yeah, discussing uh, to to get yourself on that pole position. And that, I suppose we've got to bring in the the Mercedes because again, maybe it's going to be one of those that they may be able to just do something i don't know as a driver just get something more out of the out of yourself and the car and get themselves up there. i yeah. think it's going to be hard they, they're they the one who's always going to be sort of struggling to get the best out of it but as
1: we've seen and it's never really felt like a mercedes track has it never Monaco? has even like so in their heyday dominated sure. it it wasn't quite one that they would you know rock up to and you'd think oh they might as well just you nope. know stick by those two drivers first and second on the podium it was the
2: red bull was not it the red bull always seems to sort of come more alive than yeah then Rick with Danny Rick yeah delivering yeah, yeah exactly so and then we've seen it with max as well obviously in more recent times that you know they've they still have a car that is able to do it we see it this season anyway but then I mean, it's going to be as easy as what we've seen in sort of the races so far when they've sort of effectively dominated the uh the qualifying of the weekend so from that point of view i think it's there's a lot to look forward to because i think we've got and Aston that hasn't got that pole yet, and potentially with that sort of slow speed car that they've, they've got, they may be able to sort of just get something together. Mando, as I said before, will have all that lovely experience to be able to rely on as well. Lance, maybe, we'll have to wait and see. And of course, then you've got the red, the red one with, with Charles. I know we never sort of bring up Carlos, unfortunately, but maybe sort of Carlos can bring a surprise as well. But I think Charles, this is this is probably Charles's best
1: opportunity maybe so far this thing i think so yeah yeah i think across a whole weekend how knowing how important pole position is and knowing that you know we've seen recent pole positions from charles Leclerc. it's not like ferrari have been without a pole season you know they've on a saturday they've been able to take the fight to to red they Bulls. have
2: the, the issue billy isn't it is down to We've seen so many clever calls in the past, Red Bull being
1: one of those, have been able to do that, Danny Denny Rick one, yeah. with, with strategy. Strategy, that's another thing, That's isn't the thing. It? That so yeah, good. especially if Carlos isn't, you know, if, if he's not right up there with yeah. Charles to help him out, we expect both the Red Bulls to be up there. But sometimes with the Ferrari, it feels like Charles can get out of it what Carlos can't at certain moments in the season. Yeah. And you just hope for Ferrari's sake, that they've got a little bit of leeway with strategy if both cars are in the mix. Yeah. I think that would make a big difference. Yeah, but that's
2: where there's been a weakness, isn't there? Mm-hmm. There has been that weakness. And you know, we know, discussing it now and everybody listening, that we know Red Bull will go there and we know they will have a good strategy. Even if it's not quite going their way, somehow they always seem to wiggle themselves out of the, the situation they're in. And Monaco is one of those prime examples of, strategies probably probably at its most important in many respect. i know they're important everywhere but i think yeah you can actually gain a lot more
1: than you can if you're racing in miami or, or, or that yeah the right. undercut time all that, that stuff but at right so, point yeah of, of time yeah it can make a big difference what about any outside teams any teams that we've not mentioned already that you think okay monaco could suit them i know obviously we sat down at williams and sort of went through and spoke to james vows it does feel like this is not a track that suits williams car they're particularly quick in a straight line efficient there a fish sure. in their, their drag and at monaco you're never really at that higher speed no. you know it's slow medium speed corners the whole way through so it feels like you need a car that's planted good downforce which is maybe not williams forte in my opinion so anyone else that jumps out to you maybe a mclaren maybe an Al- yeah. alpine
2: I do an Alpine.
1: i think i get I, I think i've said it
2: quite a few times in the the racing that we've done. i feel like you have i feel like alpine's your go-to i have i have and it hasn't quite materialized they've been consistent They're always sort of there thereabouts in in the points they had some sort of good ones early on with with esteban and pierre's got sort of better and better and stronger and stronger and and i think there are the updates that that, that are going to come their way i thought there there were some big updates coming in in baku but that didn't seem to be the case but I do believe there are supposed to be some coming for this weekend. So this may be that opportunity again for a team that's sort of, you know, at the back of that sort of front pack to maybe start mixing it up. They've been talking big about mixing it up with the big boys of the front. So maybe this is that sort of opportunity for for Pierre Esteban, two French drivers in a French car, to maybe sort of, you know, get that perfect lap when it goes into qualifying. Because the race car always seems to sort of be able to, is able to do the job. So I'd probably do that. McLaren, you mentioned them. But yeah, I we... think they're
1: my go-to team, I think. I think Lando's got something special in him at a place like Monaco.
2: Yeah, yeah. So again, the driver can actually make probably a big bigger difference in many respects to the way that the car is normally performing. Just because, one, it's confidence. Second, there is, there is sort of a risk factor in Monaco. But if you're happy in yourself, you're willing to take take that extra little little risk. And McLaren need to have their drivers taking that risk because it's hasn't quite been as uh, as good a season as they expected.
1: But as we've seen historically in Monaco, there are opportunities that can come your way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then what are we expecting from the race? Maybe rather than what we're expecting from the race, because I guess in Monaco, a lot of people could were probably shouting at listening to this guy we know what to expect from the race it's going to be you know pretty similar to the qualifying yes they don't know what they're talking about <laughs> you do but maybe you do. let's take that into account yes. let's maybe go who do you think needs to have a good race from a driver's point of view Well, ferrari
2: ferrari, ferrari themselves as a team need to do it Dri- drivers yeah i think charles because charles obviously had a little bit of after the crash in miami for example that's something you need to yeah. sort of you know get over and get He'll on bounce way. back from. I think, again, his teammate, same thing, because we're talking about one man. We want to talk about both Ferrari drivers, too Yeah, because Carlos is always the one who's behind his teammate, but the expectations are always still on Charles from, from that podcast. So of a big it.
1: performance from the Ferrari boys. Well, Anyone else yes, maybe Lewis. that lowered down in order? Lewis. How have we got this far into a podcast and we've not mentioned Lewis Hamilton? Yes. That, you're right. It says a lot, that, doesn't it? It does, yes. And I think this
2: is... An opportunity, a track that a driver can bring out the best. We know how good, we know how good he is, but he also he knows how good George is, and I think that's going to be that fascinating battle. I think it's going to be sort of season long anyway. But I think this is one of those tracks that someone like Lewis has got to suddenly stand up and sort of stamp his authority on a, on, a, on a weekend because George always seems to just do what Lewis always used to do, which was there you go, bang just edge it you didn't expect that did you <laughs> yeah. yeah George <laughs> no, you, no we weren't for surprises so, he's
1: been, yeah, been so season. I'm going
2: to go yeah Lewis is, it'd be nice to see Lewis do well of
1: course yeah and anyone sort of down the bottom of the grid anyone who's you know for me I think you know I'm thinking of maybe a Nick DeVries you know there's been a bit of chat yeah. hasn't there? around Daniel Ricciardo, little trips to the factory for a seat fit, all of this kind of yeah. rumors swirling around the place, around the paddock, and Formula One.
2: Never a per- perfect
1: scenario to hear before you get to Monaco, is it? <laughs> no, it's not exactly ideal, especially when you've got Daniel Ricciardo's track record at the place. Yeah, sure, yeah. But at least Nick's going to a track as a let's say as, as a rookie that he knows. Yeah, exactly. He's been around there, area. Yeah, so
2: there, there is that positive side to it. But he has got to he's got a he's got to be his teammate. You know, it's always about your teammates, not them sort of out, you know, outperforming themselves over the weekend, of course, what well, they're always trying to do. But you've got to beat your teammate. Yeah. When you've done it once, you've got to keep on doing it. And that seems to be happening on the other side of you is being able to do that. So it's a, a scenario, yes, for Nick, that the expectations were so, so high. Rumors start, seat fittings happen. And then things start to sort of crumble in front of your eyes. So you're right, Billy. I think it's an important one for him. Another one I'll, I'll throw in as well, which will be nice to see. And I know they've had a a good season together so far, which is been Lando that probably has been more recently sort of on top of it. It's probably Oscar. Yeah. I think it's the same thing. I know they've mentioned recently world champion material. That's McLaren themselves, Zach Brown. um Okay. We'll show us that. So, this is that opportunity.
1: No, no pressure, words, but Johnny Herbert's called you <laughs> out. Know, we were expecting big things from you this week. because I don't like him, because he was top of that term,
2: uh, symbol. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, and I don't like your I feel you on that. <laughs> uh, right, mate. Finally, get predictions. Was mine, mate. At the start, it was a great idea. We started off strong, and then we started to get a little bit creative with it. At the wrong moment <laughs> Creativity definitely is not the right thing For this particular <laughs> yeah. moment In this uh, old Do you job. want me to go first? Yes please Alright well I'm from, I, Come I back do, to me. Yeah I do think uh, Max Verstappen's going to just have One of those Max Verstappen weekends So I'm going to put him Top of the, the pecking yep. order I'm writing this down Are you going to write this down? There's <laughs> only three names mate You don't need to write list. Go on then Yeah so Max is going to go top for me I do think Charles will do something pretty special, and I think he'll—I don't think he'll win, but I think he'll stick it on the front row and challenge Max uh, on the Saturday in particular. So I'm going to go Charles second, third place. We've day. Do you know what? I'm going to go yeah, Checo. I think Ooh. it's it's a safe safe bet, but I think Checo is always good around street circuits. So I'm thinking yeah. Uh, it's uh, a Red Bull 1-3, Charles Leclerc uh, in the middle of them two and P2 Yeah, okay uh, Well, because I like going out there and going a bit wild
2: And uh, risque okay. <laughs> in my decision making Oh, this would this would be beautiful
1: if, if this happened You know what I'm going to put at the top, Alonzo? Yeah, baby <laughs> <laughs> You're so predictable <laughs> <laughs> Even when you're going unpredictable, it's predictable. Not predictable. <laughs> there you go. Written down in blueing Alonso's winning the Grand Prix. That would be special. So,
2: there you go. You see it there. Can you see it on the.
1: Yeah, Alonso. 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 Yeah, right. Got Alonso on that one. Right. That would be more serious for the rest of the podium. <laughs> There's no uh, point trying to be serious now, mate. Cause if, when it is you've serious. you winner wrong, then you've got the, <laughs>
2: the winner wrong. Right. Well, I'm going to put in this one now then i'm gonna oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go max and then again i uh, Charlie's to it's again it's that thing i think i'm like you i think he's gonna get that to the front row he probably might be on the same but i think front row to charles i tell you what yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna
1: go british george russell you got it <laughs> alonso max george okay that, that, i mean that is an out there podium that's you know more be, out right. there than B. I've gone sa- much safer than you. Would well, that be good to see? It. That would be really, really good to see. Yeah, Realistic? Yeah. Yours looks more realistic. Let's they... have a little look at that. Hold that up to the screen. Yeah. for us, Johnny. Hold that up to the screen. What we got here. Yeah. So got... Mate, can... Alonzo with an O. You've spelled his name wrong. No, no. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I just forgot the legs. You're going to put a little tail on it, yeah. <laughs> you forgot the legs. All right, i hate well, you for bringing max that up charles jacko for me <laughs> alonzo max george russell for you okay predictions are in mate you know that everyone's now seen him on camera there's no turning back you're regretting it i can see it in your face johnny i want to do a re-record, a re-record. <laughs> no re-records you've we're all done now we're all done i was never good at english and spelling <laughs> Oh dear. right well i think that's it uh from monaco whereabouts are you going to be watching from when it comes to the actual race, mate, have you got a, a spot that you could recommend to me, you know, actually in Monaco, which is worth going to have a little watch at? Uh, I it's fine. At a bar somewhere. A bar? Have a coffee. You're going to be on the back of a yacht, I can tell. It'll be like, you know, little way from Johnny on the back of a yacht. No, no, I'm going to be the other end. I'm going to be in Casino Square. Casino Square? With everyone else, Yeah, on a little balcony with uh, with some guests
2: having a little chat. Oh, About like all that. things Formula One. All things Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'll be there. Yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think you just got to you got to get somewhere where you're comfortable, Billy. Uh, a bit of shade because I hope it's going to be a sunny one. A bit of shade, uh, a nice
1: espresso uh, in front of you, and then hopefully the entertainment will uh, come your way in your first uh, Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Well, I think that's that's it from us, mate. It's uh, yeah now time to sort of head out there ourselves, and uh, yeah, we will have a little recap of everything that goes on after the weekend all right guys well um yeah thanks for everyone for tuning in i hope you enjoyed that one well, remember if you've got any questions for team radio episodes or anything you want to ask us then you know fire your questions in to us at lift the lid pod uh anything else to add mate no i still hate you you still hate me <laughs> for bringing up my spelling issues <laughs> well uh, <laughs> we hope you join us on our next episode and it's uh bye from me and johnny yeah see you soon see ya This has been a Soapbox
2: London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts?